I'm Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. Let's give Jesus a big hand clap, amen? And I tell you what, I want you to stand to your feet and give a big hand to some of the greatest pastors, Pastor Brad and Pastor Tammy. Let's give them a big hand. So blessed. Man. Hey, you may be seated. I do not do that every place I go. Okay? You guys are blessed to have the leadership that you have. When my wife and I walked in here today and Number one, I mean, just the spirit of excellence rings out in this place. And then I go in the back and the worship team, we prayed, and, and um, just the spirit of excellence is so strong. But you know you have a great pastor and his wife. When my, one of my very best friends for a lot of years, um, even back to where his brother Monty was one of my very best friends, um, uh, pastors about 15 miles. It seems like, like between here and, and there seems like 100 miles. And don't speed through that little town because I know every policeman now. But I got a buddy out there and, I, and you know, he says, and I was thinking about this the other day, that if a pastor 15 minutes away in the same town says that the pastor you're going to is one of the greatest men of God and one of the greatest churches in America, how many know that's a powerful statement, amen? Because other pastors just don't say that about pastors in the area. They may say that about some dude that lives a thousand miles away, but they're not gonna normally say it about a pastor who is that close. But I know, Pastor Brad, you and Cody are so close and, and uh, you guys are just so blessed. To watch your pastor and his leadership at the men's conference uh, was just amazing when he would get up and, and share and just watching his people come together and his people flock to him uh, was amazing. And uh, I had a, a blessed time in the first service. And, and between services, uh, I prayed for some people. My wife uh, prayed for some people in the front. But uh, the Lord, I, and I could count on one hand maybe how many times I've done this on a Sunday morning, but the Lord really impressed upon my heart to let you know that um, this church, World Harvest Church, is a place of restoration and reconciliation. And, the, and the, right during worship, I had to sit down on my iPad because the Lord gave me this, and, and you can take it for what it's worth, but in 2022, this is going to be a place that people will reset, refocus, and rise. You're going to have people coming in that are going to, going to reset, because a lot of times in our life, how many know we have to reset, amen? Even in my life, I get going and going and going, I just got to reset. Because I may be in a locker room somewhere, a baseball locker room, a basketball locker room, a men's conference, a church. And then when I get home, my wife knows I just have to depress and kind of just sit there and refocus. But it's not just going to be a refocus that takes place. But there's people that will come through these doors that will reset spiritually, refocus on the things that they need to refocus on. And then within this church, they'll rise. And so the church needs to be prepared. Because the pastor can't, it's not going to be his job to take care of them. It'll be his job to minister to them. But it's going to be your job to come alongside them and love on them. Amen? So reset, refocus, and rise. 
And uh, that's going to, in 2022, um, and then I sat down again because right in the middle of a worship song, the Lord just told me, this is a safe place. Why are they going to come? Because this is a safe place to hear a dangerous message. Amen? It's not just a safe place. I don't want to go to a safe place. Come on, let's be real. I don't want to just be in a safe place. I want to be in a safe place I can hear a dangerous message. And I know your pastor, he preaches those type of messages. He'll preach a message that you'll get up and go, man, that was right at the heart. So there's never been a time where we as a church should invite people to church like we should be doing right now. Amen? The Bible commands. It's not called the great suggestion. How many know what I'm talking about? It's called the great commission. And everybody thinks it's the pastor's job, it's, it's World Harvest Facebook job, it's World Harvest Church Instagram's job, it's the flyer's job, it's the staff. No, it's our job to go get them and to bring them in. Because I believe in my heart in 2022, people are going to need to reset. Man, we've been through it the last couple of years. People need to refocus on the things that are important. And because of this is a church of restoration and reconciliation, they will rise to a new level. Amen? So praise God. Everybody say faith, grace, and a new place. I want to introduce my beautiful wife, if she will stand up. This is my wife, April. Um, will you stand up? I get to have her on the road with me. Amen. Uh, she knows it kind of, but I know it even more that uh, when she prays for me, it just does something for me. If I'm on the road or I'm about to go speak somewhere, I'm praying for you, and I get goosebumps. But when we pulled up out here, I was getting ready to get out. She goes, no, wait a minute. I want to pray for you before we go in. And when she prays for me, I get goosebumps, and I just know that God's doing something. And then right after she prayed for me, she goes, no, wait a minute. And I think something spiritual, and she goes, I need to get that eyebrow right there. <laughs> Pulls it out. How many men run when, when your wife says, let me get that? Take off. Get out of there. But next week, I turn 58, and it's happening more and more. It's either my eyebrow, my ear. It's like hair going everywhere. But when the Bible says a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to talk a little bit about faith, grace, and a new place. But my wife and I, uh, coming up in March, we'll, be, we'll have been married two years. So we're a new story. And a lot of people that are maybe sitting here today are wondering, uh, does God have a second chapter in my life? And let me tell you, God has a second chapter. My wife said to me when we were dating, she said this, she goes, God specializes in rewrites. And I, I know we serve a God that is a God of second chances. That was a term that's been used for a long time. But I went through a, kind of a horrible divorce five years ago where my wife just didn't want to be married anymore. And my wife, about nine years ago, became widowed uh, when her husband took his own life. And so um, we both know what it's like to feel abandoned. We both know what it's like to be single. We both know what it's like to hurt. It's different types of hurt, but we've both been there and go, oh, my God, what do I do? And the thing that we both have in our lives that is the same is that we both turn to the Lord. We both stuck in church. How many know that you never leave the body? Amen? Isolation is devastation. Amen? And when you isolate yourself, you take yourself from out of the umbrella of God. Uh, I shared in the first service that there's two 
portions, there's two stories in the New Testament where they were in a storm somewhere, but both stories, they say, then they crossed over, and the other one says, when they crossed over. And at both occasions, they crossed over. And I tell people all the time, in the middle of a storm, don't jump ship. So many times we want to bail. And I think if I would have went through the worst day of my life and bailed on church, bailed on God, I would have no idea where I would be. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I look at people now and go, I don't know how they do without God. Because the pain's real. And some of you are facing that pain right now. Some of you are facing that hurt right now. But God specializes in rewrites. And God has something called, I'm going to preach a message sometime, called divine punctuation. Because a lot of times in our life where we put a period, God wants to put a comma. Amen? A lot of times we go through the roughest time in our life and we stamp with a period, my life's over, woe is me. We, we want to climb under a broom tree and we want to isolate. We want to go into a cave. And God says, no, it's not done. It's time to flip the page. Amen? It's time to go to the next story. I've been on Google before. How many have been like Google? You, I Google everything. No, there's no phone books to rip anymore. You Google everything. Or rip an iPad in half. But when you go to Google and you're getting ready for a sermon, like you can type in warrior. And, you know, I'm getting ready for a men's retreat. So I'm typing in warrior, the last conference I did. And uh, all of a sudden on the, on the thing, uh, I, I look at my five things that pop up and, and man, I don't really like them. But I'm ready to go type something else then. Mighty warrior. That'll be better. But I look up top when it says warrior. And it says this, 17.6 million results. Yet I'm ready to switch it up. When all I would have to do is turn the page. And a lot of times in our life, we never turn the page. A lot of times in our life, we don't realize how much more. 17 million? Man, can you imagine if we just gave up and quit the first time we and when there was that many things? You know how many things God has for you? They're uncomprehendable. The things that God has during my deepest, darkest hurt, I would never, ever have imagined that God would have April for me. I remember people saying date, so I dated, but back, you know, you've been single for a while and I'll be honest, I drove a Prius and I had a brand new grandson that had a car seat in the back. I mean, like, what am I going to do, really? What, what kind of game is that? Yeah, would you like to go out on the second date? She, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Don't, hey, can I call you? No, I'll call you. But you know what? A lot of times it was funny because her brother's a pastor and he preached on church the other day and he goes, where do you find your spouse? Church. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. But I found my wife online. I'm just being transparent. Man, you wouldn't be amazed what you could find on farmersonly.com. No, it wasn't farmers only. Christian mingle. No, it wasn't even Christian mingle. My daughter told me to get on this web, uh, website, you know, because really, I, I mean, it's rough out there dating. I'm just, for some of you who's single here, raise your hand. Okay, I'm going to minister to you for a while. Let me first say this. Being in a relationship won't heal you. Being single won't kill you. And waiting on God is never a bad thing. Amen? 
Some of you need to implant that in your mind. And when you become the, God, the one that God wants you to be, God will always bring the right one along. God doesn't desire you to live out as a monk or in a monastery somewhere. If God gives you the desires of your heart. But I'll never forget, I, I guess to share this, I'm transparent, but like we were on this site called Zeus. I don't even know what it means. My daughter's like, you got to get on a site. I'm like, what site? TBNsingles.com. I didn't know. And so my, I get on this site and, and, you know, it's just so funny. You go through and look and you, either you're, I'm, I'm not saying sites are for you. Don't get me wrong. But Christian Mingle and Farmers Only are not bad. So, but I'm on this site and she, her picture pops up and I'm like, whoa. And so I type a message, nothing. <laughs> Next, type a message, nothingness. I'm getting like totally slammed online. But she hadn't looked at hers and finally she looks at her and she goes, oh my God, I know him. I visited her. I was the power team was at her school when she was like in 13. She's, she's just like 10, 11 years, 12 years younger than I. So anyways, we met, went out, had a second day and it was over and God has rewritten our story. We have five beautiful daughters together, uh, two wonderful grandsons, two son-in-laws and life is good. Amen. Why? Because we wait on the Lord and we're patient for the things of God. And God will bring you singles through. Amen. If you're single, stand up right now. If you're single, stand up. Come on. Stand up. All right. Now, this is going to be two things. Two things. Two things. Number one, I'm going to pray for you. Number two, take a real good look around quick. You, you can't tell me some of you all ain't looking around. Bring up your phone, shoot it over there. I got to meet her. But, but listen, it's not easy being single and it's lonely being single. But that's when you press into the things of God. Amen. And God, and, and, and some of you, maybe the, maybe the devil's come along and told you that you're going to be single the rest of your life. But I don't believe that's the case. I believe if you're patient and you become the one that God wants you to be, God will bring the right one along. And when you pray, pray specifically. Amen? Don't pray a broad prayer. Don't pray, Lord, bring me a, bring me a godly man. You don't even gonna know what he looks like. <laughs> he may be godly, but he may not be what you want. So be specific with what you want. Father, I pray over these singles today, Lord God. They're just on my heart. And I lift them up to you, Lord God. And I ask, Lord, kingdom come. Your perfect will is going to be done in their life. I pray that you would bring them that peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord God. I pray that today, Lord God, as they stand in faith, it wasn't easy to stand. But, Lord God, I pray that as they become the one that you want them to be, that you would bring the right one along that you wouldn't bring, on, bring someone along this ordinary, but we pray for extraordinary. We pray for your special mate that will match with them so that they would, Lord God, live out the rest of their life with them in peace and in harmony and that their second story would be rewritten as well. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Before you sit down, look around real quick again. <laughs> you never know. Maybe my brother-in-law was right. Maybe you do meet him in church. But God has somebody for you. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, uh, verse 3. It's called uh, the love chapter. It's a chapter that we read a lot when we go, when I, and I do weddings. I've re probably read this scripture about 10 times, 15 times when I do weddings. A lot of times when I 
that this is a, it's called the wedding chapter. We, it's a love chapter. But at the end, it says this. And it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, it says, these three things remain. And a lot of times we read all these things, it says this, and then it says at the bottom, these three things. These are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I, I was reading through that the other day, and I love this scripture because there's so many times in our life where we want to give up and we want to quit. There's so many times where we get stuck in a rut in our walk with God. And I'm talking about some of the greatest Christians in the world. I'm not talking about totally backslidden out of church. As a, as a strong Christian, as a church leader, it's easy to get stuck in a rut. And that's why I believe we need faith, hope, and love. And that's why I believe that if we have faith, grace, God will lead us to a new place. That's what the Lord spoke to me about this weekend. That there were some of you here today that were going through things in your life. And I wanted you to know it is never, ever too late to call on the name of Jesus. I don't care how far gone. I don't care how messed up you are. It is never too late to scream out to God and say, God, I need you. I spoke at a prison in New York City some years ago. How many of you have ever heard of Rikers Island? So it's a pretty rough prison. If you've been there, don't raise your hand. If you've been incarcerated there, just keep your hand, no. But I spoke to about 600 inmates. And when I was there, the warden wanted to take me to death row. And it was, I'm into like, I love watching Dateline. I like watching, you know, 2020. Um, those kind of shows intrigue me. If I wasn't in the ministry, I'd probably be a detective. Um, but so it was cool to go on death row. And I got to talk to some of the guys on death row. They pulled up a chair and some of the stories were just horrific. And, and then he goes, if we were walking out of there, he goes, now I want to show you where we put them to death. And I'm, I, I literally said to him, no, I'm good and turned around. And he goes, no, come on. And the guy that I was with, my buddy was a head of the state police in New York for many years. And he goes, John, just go. And I said, okay. And I turned around and walked. But we walked in to where they put the people to death. It was a mint green color. It wasn't a big room, but it was like TV. There was a bed. There was a curtain where, they, where the chemicals go because it was lethal injection. And so there's a bed there. And he goes, just hot. I want you to sit on the bed. The warden is telling me to sit on the bed. And I said, no, really, I'm good. And I was like, turn to my buddy. He goes, sit on the bed. I'm like, oh, God, I got to sit on the bed. So I sat on the bed and then he goes, lay back. And I laid back and I looked up at the ceiling. I was so panicky. But when I looked up, they had ceiling tiles, 12 by 12 ceiling tiles. And right above my head, it said this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. And I asked him, I said, I cannot believe that you have that up there. And this warden was wanted by so many different, I mean, he's won awards for turning prisons around. And so they brought him to Rikers Island. But it wasn't the money, he said. He goes, I make plenty of money. He said, the reason I told them I would come is if I could put that up there. And he says, now when I stand in that corner and I do my job, I look at the people on the bed that are strapped down. And I watch them as they look up. And I see their mouth. that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And they closed their eyes. He said, out of all the people that are placed on that bed, 
in the 10 plus years that I've been here, I've been able to say the sinner's prayer with over 75% of those people. Minutes before they die. Now, I don't know if you, how you believe, but I believe it's never too late to reach out. I don't care how far your marriage is, you think it's gone. I don't care how bad you think your finances are. I don't care how far away you think your kids are. It's never too late to call out to a loving God that loves you. And so this morning, I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about his grace. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I need that new place. And I believe if we have enough faith and we walk in his grace, that God has that new place for us. I want to give you a couple of scriptures. Uh, Lamentations, if you would turn with me to Lamentations chapter three, verse 21 through 23. It's out of the message Bible. It says this, it says, but there is one thing. Everybody say one thing. I remember and remembering I keep a grip on hope. I love that part. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? I'm sticking with God. Sometimes I just love the message Bible. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. Man, has everybody been, anybody been there? I've been there. God, you're all I got. My friends have left. Can't listen to another podcast. Man, I am, you are all I have. When I went through my rough time, people said, just read the Bible. I was like, no. How many, come on, how many know what I'm talking about? I wanted to waller for a while, man. Hey, you just need to lead, listen to some worship. And I'm like, ugh, couldn't handle it. There was a time of weeping that I went through, and that's okay. There's a time of weeping that sometimes we go through, but we can't stay there. But there's times in our life when we cry out to God and say, God, you're all I've got. And when we get to that point, I believe our faith goes to a new level. And then he goes on and says, God proves to be a good, proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, to quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. It's a good thing to keep on keeping on. It's a good thing not to get stuck in a rut. It's a good thing to keep pushing through because how many know our trouble becomes our transportation to the next level? And what we go through in life, we can grow through in life if we stay in the house of God. Amen? I'm a big proponent. As an evangelist, I, when I'm in churches, man, I, when I'm not on the road, I'm, my wife and I are in church. Why? We have to be. We've got to get fed. I've got to get fed. And so I love that. And then uh, there's another scripture, Psalms 84, verses 5 through 7. Um, every year, uh, Jewish males had to make this pilgrimage that they made. And so they had to go through this place called Baca. It's a place of weeping. But it says this. It says, blessed are those uh, whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. Some of you are in the middle of a pilgrimage right now, a journey. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which is the place of weeping, they make it a place of spring. The autumn rains also cover up with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Did you see that part in there where it says they make it a place? 
There's things that we have to do in order to get out of our rut. In the first scripture, it said that, hey, I'm gonna stick with God. God, I need you, but I'm gonna stay with you. There's choices that we make. A lot of times we get stuck thinking that it's just gonna happen. When I was going through my roughest time, after about five or six days, I reached over and I grabbed the word of God. And the word of God, that I, the, the, the place I went to was where David and Ziklag, it was a good friend of mine said, read the story. And I knew the story, but I had to see it. And when I read that story, it talks about how they came into the village, destroyed the village, took the kids. I'm just paraphrasing. But it says they came back and everything was destroyed. David's men were mad. And it said David wept. But that's not where it stopped. Right after that, it said that then David strengthened himself in the Lord. Strengthened himself. He didn't call for all of his buddies to surround him, although that's not bad. But he made a conscious choice to say, I'm not staying in this place. There's faith and there's grace and there's a new place for me. And then he says, he strengthened himself in the Lord and he called for the ephod, which can represent the presence of God. He made a choice to not stay where he was at. When they walked through on the, on the pilgrimage to Zion, they, didn't, they, they went through the hardest time, the valley uh, you know, of Baca, place of weeping, it was dry. They kept going. When I played football, my coach said, when you hit the line, son, don't stop. How many of you have your coach say that? You keep your feet moving. Because when we stop, we allow ourselves to get taken down. And some of you have allowed yourself to get taken down. Some of you have allowed yourself to get in that spot and you're still weeping. And there's nothing wrong with weeping. But let me tell you, God never intended for you to stay there. There's a time for weeping. But then there's a time in our life where we say, I got to strengthen myself in God. I've got to get some new faith going. I've got to walk out his grace to get to that new place. So I want to share a little bit of this with you. Um, I don't know if you have your Bibles. I don't think we put it on the screen because I'm just kind of, kind of go over it fast. First Samuel 14, six, I was in our hotel room the other day. My wife and I left a couple days to come here earlier. It's my birthday next week. And so she blessed me in Tulsa uh, the other night with a Styx concert. How many like old eighties rock? Amen. (laughs) Um, I'm really spiritual, so I love sticks. Um, but it was a bucket list for me. And so we got to, we got to hear him sing. And, and trust me, that dude is 68 years old, Tommy Shaw. Still sounds like I was at the dance in freshman year. But we had so much fun. But we were in a hotel, and I was just got up and started reading. And the Lord just gave me the scripture. It says, then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come and let us go over to the garrison. As he's uncircumcised, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Now, Jonathan was talking about the Philistines. Let's go take these guys out. He had his armor bearer. But when I read this scripture, I'd read it before, and I never really saw this. It says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. I don't know about you, but if I'm the armor bearer, I'm going to need a little bit more. How many know what I'm talking about? The Bible says they took out 20 of them. There's two and 20. And Jonathan saying, hey, maybe God will be with us. I don't want to move on that. All I have is a sword. But when I read it, at the end, if you go down a few more scriptures, it says they took out the 20. And when I read it, 
I begin, just put in my heart, sometimes we got to move on a maybe, amen? amen? Because I was thinking, you know what? A lot of times we say the opposite of faith is fear. But you know what the real opposite for me of faith is? Certainty. And a lot of times we have to be so certain all the time before we move. And sometimes it's okay to move on a maybe. In leadership training, when I do some leadership training, there's an 80-20 principles, uh, principle that corporations use a lot. And if you're 80% sure, you need to go with it because it costs too much to sit there and talk about the 20. And a lot of times in our life, we sit there and we wait and wait and wait. I heard a preacher talking the other day about singles. He goes, some of you have such a list that you wouldn't even be able to date Jesus. And I thought, man, there's some truth to that. Some ladies have such a list. Well, I want this, 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 this. And the guy said, you can't even date Jesus Christ himself. Hey, sometimes certainty becomes the faith killer in our life because we want everything to just line up. So what kills faith? Certainty. Certainty is that you know before you move. Faith is you move before you know. Amen? And a lot of times we wait around. Certainty means that I'm in control, but faith means that God is in control. And a lot of times in our life, hey, it doesn't take faith to get the promise. Amen? Oh, the Lord promised me this. It doesn't take faith to receive that. It takes faith to walk out the time in between the provision. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, the Lord told me he'd bless me financially this year. It doesn't take faith to receive that. It takes faith to walk out the struggle and the uncertainty and the doubt in between, amen, Amen. to get to the provision a lot of times. I was thinking this the other day, it doesn't take faith to click the buy button on Amazon Prime. How many know it takes faith to wait the two hours or the two days to get it? And then it arrives. I mean, we we sit there and complain about two hours now or two days. But what I'm trying to tell you today is in life, I think what I've come to the realization is that the enemy sometimes of faith is not fear, it's certainty. That we wait and we think everything has to line up. We have to have all the facts when God's saying, that's not faith. Faith is stepping out sometimes when it hurts and it's hard and saying, I need to strengthen myself in you, Lord. Even though things don't line up, even though I don't have the money in the bank right now, even though I don't have things all the way lined up, I trust you and I believe you're going to deliver me. Amen. Man, I could go on and on on that one, but you got to have that faith. Don't allow certainty to kill your faith. Number two is grace, walking grace. One of the greatest things we can realize as a Christian is that we have his grace. Man, we mess up through in those times through the valley of Baca. When we go through hurt, we go through pain. We don't always make the right decisions. Sometimes because of loneliness, we don't always make the right decisions. But let me tell you, his grace is sufficient. Amen. And we can walk in his grace. And when we have his faith, God wants to give us that new place. So turn with me to Genesis. I'm going to wrap this up really quick. Genesis chapter six, verse eight. It's the story of Noah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, it says this. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. We're talking about getting to that new place in God. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth 
had become for all people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put it in to all people for the earth is filled with violence through them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood, of gopher wood or cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark covered inside and out with pitch. He says, this is how you shall build it. The ark shall be 300 cubits long, 50 uh, cubits high and 30 earth wide, and then 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubic high all around. Put a door in the side, and then he says, make it with a lower, a middle, and an upper deck. In the next couple minutes, I want to close out talking about your new place. That when you have faith and you can walk in grace, God always has a new place. Amen? When I look at my wife and I, and we're about to um, celebrate two years, and I look at our five wonderful, beautiful daughters, two son-in-laws, grandsons, they're not perfect, but you know what? We have one of the most incredible families in the world. And God took a story that both of us didn't think would turn out, and he made the most beautiful story. And some of you may think, man, is my story ever going to turn out? I promise you. If you allow his divine punctuation, God will take his grace and erase the period and he will put a comma. Why? Because he desires to rewrite the perfect story for you. Let me give you a couple things here. Uh, When I think about this story of Noah, I think about salvation and how it parallels salvation. If you wanted to be saved in Noah's time, how many know you better been on the ark? Amen. Uh, If you wanted to be saved, I think about, he said, put lots of rooms in the ark. Um, I thought to myself, man, this morning there's Methodist, Catholic, everybody's meeting different places uh, this morning. But how many know if you're my brothers and sisters in Christ, amen, if, you have, if you've been bought with the blood, you're my brothers and sisters. I mean, I don't, I don't look at denominations, Baptist, Meth. I go to all kinds of churches. I was at a Lutheran church up in Buffalo, New York. About 6,000 members, the ladies out there playing the pipe organ before. And I'm in the back with the pastor and he gets up and puts on his robe. And so he goes, let's go. And, I, and I'm like, well, where's my rope? I'm being honest. And he goes, he goes, you're not Lutheran. I said, I don't care. I said, when, when the, with the Lutherans, do as the Lutherans do. He gave me a robe. It was too tight. I was like, walk out. I look like a little monk walking out. But you know what? Listen, hey, I don't care if you're Baptist, you're Methodist, you're Pentecostal. If you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you're my brothers and sisters. And he says this, he says, there was lots of rooms in the ark. So it parallels salvation. And then it goes on, he says, he covered it inside and out with pitch. That word pitch is the word kapar that actually goes along with the word atonement. How many know if you were on the ark, you were safe? And if you're in Christ today, you're safe, amen? Then it goes on, he says, he put his door on the side of the ark. I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes through the Father except through me. There was only one way in. How many know there's only one way to God? And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going really fast. He said, put a window in the ark. And then he's at the bottom, he says, build it with a lower, a middle, and an upper deck. And I thought that so parallel salvation. Because how many know through our walk with God, we live at different levels sometimes. Years ago, I flew to South Africa. And I flew from Dallas to New York. And then we waited about three hours to get on our flight to South Africa with the power team. I had one guy that was six foot seven, 320 pounds. I had a guy that was 6'2", 280. I had a road manager with me that was about this high and weighed about, weighed about 120 pounds. And then there was me. And so we get on this plane and we're flying to South Africa, but we get on the plane in New York and it's a big jumbo jet. And they say the flight's going to be 16 hours. 
and so we get on the plane, we walk into first class, and I look at my buddies, and I go, this is going to be nice. The seats go all the way back. They have a TV screen. Their menu is this thick. It's like you're eating at Cheesecake Factory. I mean, you can order anything anytime you want. And so I look at my buddies, and I said, this is not going to be bad. And the lady, the flight attendant goes, no, you're back there. And so I went through curtain number one. And it was business class. And those seats go almost all the way back. They had TVs, movies, but their menu wasn't quite as big. I said, guys, this will work. Don't get upset. And she's behind us again going, no, back there. And so we go through curtain two, where the four of us sat like this for 16 hours. I mean, some big dudes. They stunk. We got hungry. We didn't get enough meals. I ordered a box of chocolates for like 70 bucks, like duty-free chocolates. I was so hungry. We got off the plane, my shirt had chocolate all over it. We looked like a hot mess getting off the plane. And we were walking down to baggage claim, and when we got down to baggage claim, the people in first class, they were just trucking along. They had towelettes to get all nice and clean before they got off the plane, they slept. But myself and my guys, I'm going, come on guys, let's go. And we get down to baggage claim, we're waiting for our baggage to come off, and I look around at all those excited people, and I thought, wait a minute, we all got on the same place. We were all going the same place, but some people enjoyed the ride a whole lot more important, more importantly. How many know it's the same way in our walk with God, amen? We're all going to the same place. We all got on the same place, but some people are enjoying the ride a whole lot more than others. And I don't know about you as a Christian, but I don't want to stay stuck in a rut. God has a new place. God has a new level for you. Noah was not down in the bottom of that ark. He wasn't on the middle, man. If you look at the pictures of the ark, there was a window up top. That's where Noah hung out. And that's where God desires. I'm not talking about becoming oversaved, trust me. How many know, I don't even like oversaved people. I'm, I'm as like... Like I was at the Sticks concerts, like, yeah. <laughs> had my shirt off, had Sticks. No, I did not. <laughs> Big S. No. But I don't like oversaved people. I was at the church one time with the power team, and I'll never forget. I got done. I was trying to find my gym bag and had the keys to the church van. I'm like, some uh, uh, usher comes up. What are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find the keys. He goes, do you have the keys to the kingdom? I'm like, no, I just need the keys to the Dodge <laughs> right now. I, like, that was way oversaved. Don't do that, people. That is not World Harvest Church. Come on. I walked off stage before and trying to find something to drink and have somebody, can, can I get something to drink? And they, are you thirsty for the Lord? No, I just don't want a Gatorade right now, pal. Can, don't be oversaved. But be where God wants you to be. Be under the spout where the glory comes out. Amen. Allow God to write. God cannot start rewriting your story until you're ready. And you have to take the step of faith to say, I'm ready. You have to step out. If there's a thousand steps to be taken, God will always take 999, but he wants you to take that one step of faith. It said David strengthened himself in the Lord. They made their way through the valley of weeping because they kept pushing on. The Lord didn't pull them through that rough time. They made their way through. There's all times in the Bible, in the middle of the storm, it says when they crossed over and then they crossed over. They didn't get out of the boat. Let me tell you this, as just 
the start of it. You are right where you're supposed to be today. You're in the right chair at the right time to hear the right message to get right with God. And I believe that you're on your way to your next level, to your next place. When you activate your faith, not certainty, step away from the certainty. Step away. It's okay to move on a maybe. You don't have to be 100%. God is not always going to come down and say, thus saith the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to move on a maybe. Some of you have been praying about what to give to church. I'm, I really should, should I give this amount? Hey, let me tell you, normally it's the first amount. Go for it. Give that to God. Watch what God does. Should I tithe? I, I, man, I don't know. I got that new truck, that new bass boat. Man, watch what God does when you just move without certainty. You know, when you tithe and you give money and you plant seed in a church, there's nothing earthly that promises you anything back. It's by faith that you give that, not by certainty. It's by faith that you wait patiently for somebody to come along to spend the rest of your life with. It's during that time is where faith is activated. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, you have faith, you have grace, but you're ready for a new place. You've been where you're at for too long. I am so thankful for my wife that we met and that she said those words to me. I'm so thankful that she said, honey, you're good looking. No, she didn't say that. Honey, God specializes in rewrites. And man, ever since he said that, it's just been something that's been in my heart for the last couple years. And it's the whole divine punctuation. Some of you have put a period where God wants to put a comma. And through his grace, he wants to erase that period and put a comma and begin to rewrite your story. It's never too late to call on the name of God. It's never too late to activate your faith and to walk away from the certainty and step out in faith. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestenid.com connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestenid.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.